0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Phantom Galaxy podcast. I'm your host Nathan Bartleball. I'm joined tonight with Chris Durham and Seth Dombach. And we have a special guest tonight, Jason Swam. Jason, thanks for joining us. Hola. Big Stephen King fan. And we were discussing uh, Stephen King adaptations in the start of this podcast. And we've already talked about it. We've talked about the Carrie adaptations. And so tonight we're going to talk about short stories, short story movies based off of Stephen King's short stories. It's really going to be probably a two-part podcast because a lot of movies that have been made off of Stephen King's work are from the short fiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is probably going to go just about to uh, cover Night Shift and Skeleton Crew, which were two of his big collections. And we are going to talk a little bit about the Bachman books because some of those... Uh, there's really only two of the Bachman books that were made as far as I'm aware were made into films and they are a little bit on the shorter side so we're going to talk about those I I figured we would save different seasons and four past midnight for another segment we can also talk about uh, nightmares and dreamscapes and some of those other films that'll be in the second part so tonight we're probably going to go just about up to where the Bachman books end and then cover night shift and skeleton crew and a little bit of stuff in between before we kind of jump right into the movies Anyone have anything they want to say about Stephen King's short fiction in general? I personally kind of find a lot of his short fiction is more effective than his overall novels, just in terms of the, the the quality and the conciseness. Oftentimes he can get through what he's trying to say in a short piece a lot better than he can in a novel. There's a lot of great stuff in a novel, but sometimes for me and others, he gets to the end and it doesn't all quite come together.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. My exact feelings about it. I mean- I've only read a few of his longer books. Um, I feel like he has a little bit of a difficulty sometimes wrapping them up a little bit. But the short story book, uh, Night Shift, uh, I recently read through, uh, has some really great stories. They were, like you said, concise to the point they, they were condensed, nice little pieces of horror. Um, and I've really enjoyed just going through it, getting a little creeped out, reading the books. You know, So uh, I like his short fiction so far. What I've seen of it is great.
2: Yeah, I'll definitely add to that as well. Because uh, I love his all the most of his novels, but his short fiction. There's you know a special place in my heart for that stuff. Some of the, I think some of the stories, especially in Night Shift and Skeleton Crew, I, I think some of them are probably up there with the greatest short horror fiction of all time. I just love. i I'll, I'll, I'll eat all those books up as soon as they come out. So I'm excited to talk about these.
1: Yeah, uh, from my perspective, uh, I like both a lot. I actually like the longer stories. I like the novels but I also enjoy the short stories a lot, so aim on. All right. We talked
0: about Carrie being his first novel, but he'd actually written a decent amount of short fiction and had short fiction published mostly in adult magazines (laughs) prior (laughs) to this. (laughs) Uh, We talked a little bit about that last time, and and Kings mentioned uh, how that whole process kind of goes. But I think that with a short fiction, what's interesting is you see a lot of the ideas, the kind of um, concepts, that sometimes he'll have a concept for something, and you're like, wow, that's a really good concept. And sometimes, even when the book is good, he might go away from that concept a little bit and and hit on something else, and he'll go here and there. And his short fiction tends to be very kind of, not all of it, but a good bit of it is kind of laser-focused on the one concept he, he heads into. And I think that lends itself very well to, like, the movies. It's not surprising that once he became popular, people just started grabbing some of that fiction probably a good place to start then might be i think we'll probably kind of start with a lot of the fiction that's in night shift which in my opinion is probably his best collection of short stories what is he He probably in just the short fiction not even the novellas he probably has what like four does he have four or five collections now i know he just a few years ago did bizarre bad dreams which i was not a huge fan it
2: was all right it I think we're up to like maybe six, actually. Yeah, yeah he's at this done point, because we have eventual. night shift, skeleton crew, nightmares and dream skates,
0: everything's eventual. Full dark, full yeah. dark, dark stars, and then bizarre bad dreams. Just after
2: sunset. Just oh, I forgot. Just after sunset.
0: That was a good. I Seven. enjoyed
2: some of those. Yeah.
0: Um, but with night shift, he different those. Seasons. Yeah, <laughs> and different seasons, kind of the novella, uh, which a lot of the really good stuff, film wise, has come out of that. I think they've made three of the four there. Uh, yeah. And the fourth one is, I don't even know how they would adapt that exactly into <laughs> yeah. a movie, um, the, bre- the breathing lesson. But in Night Shift, a lot of the stuff that I think people are familiar with, the your average person who knows of Stephen King and, and hears a title or something probably recognizes most of that stuff coming out of Night Shift, and certainly with the movies. Um, the downside is not every movie that was adapted from Night Shift is really that great. And probably a good place to start would be with uh, The Children of the Corn. You know, let's mm. get it Let's get it out of the way <laughs> right away. Uh, have you guys, has everyone here read the short story? Mm-hmm. Yes. And what Seth and I have kind of done so far um, with the adaptations is just talked about, when we can, the kind of the story first, to the extent that we remember it. It's, uh, some of us might not have read it in a while, and that's fine. And then talk about the adaptations. So, guys, what were your feelings on the short story?
1: I liked it. Um, it was not my favorite story in the book, but I thought it had a good, strong... Little story is very short, much shorter than you remember, if you think of Children of the Corn. Um, and especially when you consider there's like seven, eight, nine sequels, however many <laughs> there are. But uh, the short story itself was kind of cool. Jason actually told me something really cool today about it, which I had not really taken into consideration. Um, about. Well, he wrote, I had the, I, I found a book where it's, like, it's called Stephen King Goes to the Movie. So it's got
0: literally two pages before... The actual short story. And it's a collection of what four, four of them, I think. And anyhow, his take on it was that the his story was more derived from what was scary was the corn was making the children do the things they did. And he didn't feel like the and I'm like, and you had the same
1: thought. Like I've really, it's been years since I've read it, but I didn't get that just from that short story. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't either. Because but you watched the sh- the the one that the the first Children of the Corn movie, which was called Disciples
0: of the Corn, is that right? Or dis- well, there's there's two. There's Disciples of the Crow. Crow, which was like uh, we talked before about the Dollar Babies, where someone, uh, kind of an up and coming film student, would You'd kind it, of use it. yeah go to King and give him a dollar for the rights and make a movie, and that's what this Disciples of the Crow. Had. Uh, Seth, you still alive? Yes, I'm still here. <laughs> uh, did you read or have you seen
2: Disciples of the Crow? I did see that actually. I just watched that for the first time about a year or so ago, and it's <laughs> it's not it's not great or anything like that. Um, I think I mean if you're a fan of his stuff, it's one of those things where you could just check it out. There's some yeah. some cool imagery in it, but it, it's also kind of very very low budget. D- as despite well too. the title like,
0: change, it is just yeah. Children of the Corn. They they do trash a nice. 80-something
1: Celica. Yes, they do.
0: <laughs> so, now when you say that the... And, and for everyone who's listening, there are just going to be kind of full spoilers here for the movies and for the short stories. So when you say that the corn was causing the children... something Are you talking about like uh, like hallucinogenic corn, like the children eating corn, or just, just like something the in the e- corn? Evil. Was evil, yeah. yeah the, and that's well, how it was... That's what, that's like, what
1: totally what, changed my perspective on the short story. Because, because he spends a ton of time describing the... like you know yeah. what you're seeing
0: what you're going through and it's like a maze well at the very end of the short story the main character does encounter the he who walks by in the rose. it comes up upon him yeah right and it's there and it sees him uh the part of the short story that's inter- well i'll wait and let you guys um kind of share what you think but the interesting part of the short search for me is probably the last page or so like after the perspective is originally from these two uh, cup. This couple who's driving through the town, which is a classic setup for most horror stories. Never stop in a town ever, <laughs> <laughs> it, particularly if you're in the Midwest or in yeah. Pennsylvania. And fire and, and <laughs> brimstone yes, at yeah. right? When you hear the, <laughs> you hear your crazy pastor or you just you keep, <laughs> keep driving. And but once their story is done, which is their story is the primary viewpoint of the film. Once their story is done, their viewpoint shifts to another character for about a page and a half. And to me, that's kind of where the more interesting stuff is. And maybe to what you were talking about. Well, that's, the, and that's what he said. He said, you know, to me, the horror was there. To them, it was just more about, you know, kids and... Crazy killer you know, kids. Crazy killer kids, <laughs> kids and meat slicers. And I stuff.
1: think that does make it a lot more interesting <laughs> because you're reading it. I, I was just going from the perspective of having seen the movie before, ever reading the story, and that when you have the kids running behind the rows, whispering things to one another, all that kind of stuff. And in the in the, nob- in the short stories, talking about hearing little whispers coming from the corn and stuff. And it seemed like from your, what you were saying that, like, the corn was actually, like, alive and kind of evil and, like, whispering things right. to the children. So that makes it a little more sinister to me. Like, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was cool.
0: Yeah. I, again, I haven't read it in so long. So your perspective on it from the, the reading aspects going to be much, you know, that's
1: just what he said about it, which was interesting <laughs> as well.
2: I always I was took it to be some kind of like pagan deity that the, the he who walks behind the rose is. And that's something I think they, they kind of change up. To, I'll probably get that name confused because I think they call it between the rose in the movie and it's behind the rose in the book. But whatever place it is in. I think in the 80s one it was he who moonwalks behind the rose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I actually really like this story a lot. I think there's a lot of really good creepy imagery. I. The, the idea of, you know, it starts off with Bert and Vicky. They're, you know, in a troubled marriage, just driving down this back road in um, you know, getting close to that town of Gatlin. And like the only thing that's playing on the radio. And I'm sure if you've ever driven through like rural rural sections, especially in PA, is, is, there's places where you'll just church. drop out all the radio and all you'll hear is just like the evangelical preachers. Yeah. So you hear this and then all of a sudden He just sees a child, you know, walk out into the road and he hits the kid where we come to find out when he gets out, the kid's throat has been slit. that's kind of where the story kind of takes off and proper from there. But I think it's I I really think there's it's an intense story. There's a lot of cool imagery within that story. I think it is one of the highlights of Night Shift as well, too. The, The
0: Night Shift collection a lot of the stories are just like playing off of a fear like more than they're a story more than they're a full-blown narrative it's kind of like that fear and then looking over that sea of corn which is probably that but that genesis of the idea comes anything could really be in there and you've got miles and miles of that and then in the middle of these little seas are these little island towns where there's nothing even really going on it's like a rock in the middle of the you know atlantic or something let me ask you this have you ever been in the middle of a cornfield yes it's frightening i have yeah particularly, particularly when you get turned around. Hey, yeah, yeah, great you lost idea! The great very idea. Easily. Years ago, there was this, there was a made-for-TV. Yeah, that's a different story. But made "Night of the Scarecrow" is that what was called made-for-TV? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Scared the living shit out of me. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> we we will bring you back for that one because we were just saying last week. I can't find it. Did you do you have it? You don't know where it is. Mm, we're pretty sure there is a like a, I think Shout Factory somebody released a DVD just recently, or it's about to. But I'd want to just do a whole day where we we sit and watch. TV movies from the 70s, because <laughs> that was the stuff right there. The, yeah. There was a, a, a like, made-for-kids one like, with the red light. And, it was
1: called something in the red light r- room with the red light on, or window with the red light on, something like that. For Roxanne, kids. Roxanne I don't know. The yeah, red know. light
0: room? That doesn't sound like yeah, a kid's film. Welcome to Amsterdam. <laughs> sounds like Amsterdam. <laughs> anyway. Something like that.
2: <laughs> so, anyway,
1: back on track.
0: Interest, they, Yeah, so Children of the Corn, the, the fear for Bert and Vicki is really these kids have run amok. They've killed the parents in the town. They've killed all the adults in the town. And uh, it's basically just gone like Lord of the Flies. But not really because their cult has a structure and, a, and a, a whole working culture to it, which you don't really realize until kind of right towards the end, and which they definitely draw out when they do the movie. But kind of before we move to the movie, isn't there a scene, and I maybe just read, I haven't read this story in a while, but isn't there a scene where Bert, I think, is being approached by one of the kids, and he looks down, and doesn't doesn't a, a knife or something sort of sprout out of his leg? Am I, I think, in the movie? I think you're right. No, in the book. Like, he looks down, and he's surprised to see that one of the kids is, like, concentrating or focus on him, and suddenly, it, like, it's like it's grown out of his leg or something. Like, it, no one ran up and stabbed him. He looks down, and it's implied that they're using some kind of supernatural force. Force. Uh, because... Well, that would be in line with all the sequel movies. I
2: think I think you're right.
0: Yeah, uh, I think so. And in the, the in the movie, they delve into that a little, or in the some of the sequels, I don't know. So the short story doesn't really go much beyond that. But to go back to what I was talking about, the last couple pages switches to the perspective of is it Malachi's wife? I think, I think, or so. his bride, or the yeah, woman that one of his wives. They, yeah, they're they're all young. They're all kids essentially, and they are walking them out into the uh, corn because. He who walks behind the rose requires sacrifices, I think. Yeah. And there's a certain age, and then I don't know if the age... Does the age go up or down or something it goes based down on... It, it goes down like, to 18. Yeah, it's like the... Yeah.
1: He who's behind the rose is unpleased, and like the age goes down. Yeah. And, and she talks, to kill somebody? She talks
0: <laughs> about dreaming of just one day walking into the cornfield with a torch and burning right, it all down, guy. which kind of guy. implies that the power behind the force it's lives the inside the corn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Orville Redenbacher, man. <laughs> See, that I'm surprised that actually wasn't used like in a plot from one of the later movies where they yeah. tried almost like in a Halloween three way where they had the the distribution of the yeah. uh, the Halloween mask. I always as a kid. Got, That's the secret like, of Pop secrets
1: Orville, Orville Redenbacher and the and the Colonel. You know what I mean? Like I was right. always like I
0: remember as a kid. Like wait a minute, wait a minute. There's two old he's guys on TV trying, trying to sell me food. Porn. Yeah, <laughs> and then popcorn chicken. I got really corn chicken. Oh, they merged.
2: Colonel Walker presents. One of them bought the other. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. how you get the KFC secret bowl or whatever. But I, but yes. I
1: digress.
0: Uh, Stephen King did say that he really he appreciated, and he said, you know, he was he was never a fan of that one. He did say he said I, he didn't know, and it funny to me. He had no idea, and this was. wrote was he had no idea how many Children of the Corn sequels there were in the movie world. <laughs> and that's probably good. He's probably I'm not getting, like you said, he's didn't probably getting, he like getting checks. And he, say, he said, no, 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 he said he didn't, that's what you said. He said, "Um, <laughs> he, he goes, uh, I, I don't have my internet, my internet's down. I guess he's in Bangor or wherever he lives. Internet's down, I can't look it up, but I'm sure it's probably eight or nine. It's something like I'm pretty that.
2: Pretty sure it's like Seth will be eyeing. able to confirm this for Seth, us, but it's pretty. <laughs> it's probably like forty. Yeah, no, it's not forty, but it is like nine. It was it more than I thought. digits now, I There's nine. Yeah, it's nine. If nine. N- if I'm not counting uh, disciples of the crow. <laughs> I, don't I, don't know. Know. I don't know. I don't know. disciples of be. the crow was probably a more version? faithful. Actually, no. Than... I'm sorry. There's ten. I, there's a there was a TV version of it too. Yes, which on the sci-fi. So let's talk the let fir- Let's talk
0: the first movie, and then we can kind of just skip the, the sequel <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could we could just throw any thoughts we have about the sequels because i'm sure chris is dying to chris talk about it, part eyes. three <laughs> yeah. how did you they know because <laughs> you mentioned it like that's I was like dying. the only one that i'm sure chris can sumra- yeah. summarize all of them yeah so the first movie is for the most part at least to start with it's the same plot as the book uh it definitely digresses in the second half and they try to go more like a conventional uh almost like action movie now, has everyone here seen it? <clears throat> oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I saw I saw it when I was younger, but yeah, probably I ended up seeing it. I was probably more like in the, the sixth grade or something when I saw it, and I'd seen a lot of crap by that point. I missed seeing when it first came out, and I heard someone else share something similar when it first came out. I remember family rented it, and it was one of those things go to bed and like sneak out, and I just saw the beginning. Where the kids kind of turn on the adults and they're like mm-hmm. sticking yeah. in their hand. Like they like them in the meat grinder, right? And then they're like, uh, they've got the, the corn sickle or whatever and they're slashing people and the blood hitting the window. Yeah. That's what I remember. The little kid looking at it and then being rushed off the bed. And then for years seeing that cover and just thinking, man, this is like going to be one of the worst, most hardcore horror movies. <laughs> you don't ever want to see Children of the Corn. Yeah. But that's a pretty tough Thing to see. I mean, think it, about it like is. that's shocking. Yeah. But what's especially strange. at that age, you're like yes. these
1: kids who I relate to are killing the adults. Like whoa. And but it was
0: always said like so. Even when I started getting into horror movies, that movie sat on the shelf, and I was like, that one's too rough. And I by that one is see *Pet Cemetery I mean, yeah. Right. <laughs> so when I finally saw it, surprisingly, and we just watched it about a month ago in anticipation of this, it's pretty mild for the rest of the movie. Yeah. It's yeah. almost not, not it's a horror like One film sequence. Yeah, and the rest is just the craziness of. It's strangely mm-hmm. chipper too. Like, like it's almost like jovial. Like they spend a lot of time with like Linda Hamilton dancing in her underwear in like their hotel room <laughs> in the beginning, and it's like,
1: and they're like playing around with the little kids in their house at one point. Like, yeah, and
0: the kids even have this kind of subplot where they're like the cute little sidekicks that yeah. help him. Yeah. Like
1: he's got to start a fire one point,
0: and he like needs an oily rag so like tears the kid's shirt. The kid's like, "That's my jacket," you know. I mean, you're like, what's what's going on right. here? And then. There's no real sense of horror to the rest
2: of the movie outside of that opening scene, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 if I, I actually kind of like this movie. Like, I don't. Um, this is one I, I will return to a couple times over the years. Outlander, um, we <laughs> have your woman. <laughs> And you, you can't Malachi, get it I mean, how can you not love Malachi and Isaac and all his crazy Malachi <laughs> Isaac, who's like a thirty year old yes. who looks like he's twelve. <laughs> It's not a Children of the Corn. <laughs> Someone's not
0: paying attention to the age limit. Um, yeah, well, and Malachi went on to be in The Burbs. You guys remember The Burbs? The oh, young, yeah. The young guy's like, one of the Huns has come out of the cave. <laughs> Hans, Hans, Christian, a fine Christian name. Hans Christian Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, Uh Malachi's probably the highlight. Well, that and Isaac. He, he, Isaac's probably the one that his acting's a little bit better. Malachi just screams oh, yeah. things
2: and runs to the yeah. streets. <laughs> But the, I, the music, I really like the music in this movie. Like, the score is really good. Um, I, I do like some of the eerie scenes of where they're going into Gatlin and there's nobody around and they're just kind of exploring the town. It but it does feel very slight. There's Like, once you get past that opening part, it doesn't feel like a lot happens for a while. And then also, like you said, the, the cute kid sidekicks. What I would have more liked that is if they, because they're not in the book. Yeah. But if they would use those kids as kind of like – almost like a red herring where they seem like they're you know they're good kids. They want to get away from it, and then it turns out that they were just kind of part of the trap to pull them into this sacrificial um, scene towards the end. Um it won't bring back, back your leave. bees! Oh, wait. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my okay. God. Uh,
0: but – the, yeah, the kids are kind of silly. When, and even, like, when they drive into Gatlin, it almost reminds you of that, like, old Star Trek episode where they go into the town and all the kids are, like, there's just swarms of kids running around. Yeah, so Kirk's that. like,
1: what's going on, you little monsters? And one of them, like, starts falling in love
0: with him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hmm. um, let's talk about the one thing that's way, it's not way off the mark because it is mentioned sort of at the end of the story where we talk about he who walks behind the road it seems to be a physical presence because it appears to... He sees something large coming through there, and you're just left to your imagination. Well, apparently, by 1984, they had discovered a slight bit of computer animation, so let's forget (laughs) your imagination. Do you remember this digitized... And they couldn't make anything other than little bubbles. So it just looks like a giant mass of radioactive scrubbing bubbles coming across, like, the (laughs) cornfield. It's the least imposing monster. Actually, when it was that giant, like, tremors-looking, like, mound of dirt. 87 or 84. 84. Yeah. It was the first movie and it just kind of really by that point it takes you out of it completely I remember watching it as a kid yeah. being like with a few edits this is almost like a kids horror film I mean despite <laughs> the fact that the kids are the antagonists but it's got that goofy sense of humor I remember the very end like there's someone in the back seat and it's almost like one of those jump scares that should end the movie. Yeah. But they jump up and like Peter Horton like knocks her out with the door or something and it's like, <laughs> what should we do with her? And he goes open and she's all flailing. He's like, Meh, like closes it and they just walk down the, they walk down the road and you're like, huh? really? <laughs> I, I ca I agree with Seth. Like it has a certain, like it's not a good movie. It could be on the hot messes list if we really wanted yeah, to yeah. get to it. It's enjoyable to watch, I think. I don't have any yeah, real I mean, malice towards it.
1: a certain level of
0: enjoyment. Um, yeah. How about Children of the Corn Two? The
1: garbage. final
0: Sacrifice.
1: I, the series should have ended there.
0: <laughs> it's one of those you get the VHS when you know yeah, it was probably ah. ninety-two. That was another like surge so of the student in high school. Yeah. So yeah, I've been watched like the first half and was like, This is horrible. I can't watch it. <laughs> it
2: I, I will really say awful. that there there is a standout scene in that movie. It's where the adults are sitting in church and one kid has like a a corn husk voodoo doll and he's like yes. whittling yes. out and the starts, nose with
0: somebody yes that i remember is about the only thing that and really bad inappropriate cgi in that one too like really at yeah. the end again there's some weird part where the kid is one of the kids who's supposed I guess the mal not the malachi but the isaac sort of analog in this movie is walking through a cornfield and and he walks behind the rose, i assume grabs him and picks him up and he's like digested or something and you see all of his little <laughs> molecules pull apart And what special effect they had at the time. Somehow
1: even worse than this. And then
0: they meld with the molecules of he who walks by the rose and he comes back as like a demon. Uh, I don't remember. I will say this. One thing. You're talking about the evil being inside the corn. In Children of the Corn 2, they actually go the route of discussing that maybe the corn was actually poisoned. Or was actually Mm -hmm. bad and was causing hallucinations and things like that. Which apparently that's what King. Or his feeling was when he wrote, like he wanted yeah. that to be transpired. I didn't see it that way. When I read it the and when well, they had that in the second one. He goes, "You just don't look. know." But you don't know. That's a, that's what's cool about it. As a short story, sometimes you don't know. you, yeah. you know what I mean. It Which was what was not all cool about the movie. <laughs> They're just like, "Yeah, this is what <laughs> yeah, it right. is." Yeah,
2: right. And I, I, think, I need a Rob Zombie style background on yeah, the cover. Yeah, right. And I think child. they
0: have the Native American sidekick character who's not <laughs> unlike the guy from My like, Poltergeist Two, and he's like. And they talked about the corn and everything. I was was that what happened in Gatlin? And the guy's like, "Nope, what happened in Gatlin is the kids went ape." Yeah. You're like, "Oh, <laughs> right." I think it was the best line in the movie, but totally forgettable. Which brings us to Children of the Corn Three: Urban Harvest. I'm going to turn it over to our Urban Har- Harvest scholar for this. One.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't call be a scholar. So just okay. I, no, just I, I don't know why. I, I really don't know why I like this movie because I'm not. I absolutely hated the second one. Not a fan of the sequels that follow. But three has a certain level of charm to me. Like this 90s cheese-tastic comedy. Just the beginning, I think, of the 90s, possibly. But like these kids from Gatlin, maybe late 80s.
0: Define 90s genre real quick. Are we talking leprechaun? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what do we... You know what No, mean? I like, mean just wanna... the feel of it. Like, because yeah.
1: you see, what I was about to get into is that it takes, uh, I think, two of the kids from Gatlin. They've been taken by social services and put with a family in, like, an urban area. And they start going to school, and it's, like, just tastic, like, this is what everybody looked like back then. It was, um, like, 95 or something. Something, know, yeah. Or... But, like, I was watching, and there's a couple of great, two to three great, like, gore scenes. Normally, I don't talk about gore scenes in movies, because I'll enjoy a movie, whether or not it's, it, just depending on how good it is, like, but there's some great gore scenes in this that, like, freak me out even now. Like, at a certain point, like, this family, um... One of, the, one of the people that adopted the kids like gets cursed he you know, like falls down breaks his head open and all these cockroaches start pouring out of his head ah that was show <laughs> I mean, that was pretty freaky and there was another one involving like uh, someone's spine being removed from their body and like left as a sign put like a scarecrow almost like hanging out of the dirt like that was really cre- crazy stuff I, it may, it probably does not hold up as well now but I just remember it fo- very fondly like as cool but tell us about the coup de
0: grace of the film is the okay, so
1: these kids these kids are <laughs> oh no, like practical effects actually using some sort of persuasive powers on their school kids the the school kids that are going to school. They end up using them after school to go to like an abandoned warehouse and grow corn in the middle of the city <laughs> <laughs> which becomes like the new he walks by the Rose
0: like so, playground
1: <laughs> at the end of it I, you know and I really don't remember how it kicks off It's but always been around. Before, it turns or? into you know the sacrifice or whatever and all the kids start getting killed by like this lo- gloopy, lumpy corn creature so here coming you out of go. This. this
0: is the literal. The corn is evil. It's a giant <laughs> yeah. corn monster, yeah. It's like Godzilla, if he was made out of corn, okay. and it's that large. It's eating people the out of the air. It's
1: not great, but it looks gory and crazy.
0: Well, I was looking for an image for this for the the like um, you know the cover for the yeah. the episode, and I found a picture of that monster. But they had, it was just the maquette model they made. It was it was. <laughs> Uh, fastened to the top of a trash can lid <laughs> You're like oh that's the model right right <laughs> he's up across the thing and I'm like oh there, there he is
2: it's on the trash can lid and that's the monster he's really that high um, so the, this brings up some interesting questions. Um, now that we're talking about the the corn being you know, just evil in itself, do you guys think that this extends to like frozen corn in the? <laughs> <world>?
0: <laughs> no, I think I think sanitized creamed creamed corn. Is it yeah. is it things that are only corn in name only? Because what about candy corn? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's the pollinating. So we're on like 25 minutes or 28 on minutes of children, children of the corn, corn right? There's right. really not much else
1: you can say about the series. No, I mean,
0: I'm yeah. going to talk the about... Baby Watts is in the fourth one, and that's all we really need to right. say. Really?
1: Probably, yeah. Yes.
0: And one of them is like Isaac's Return. So Isaac comes back yes. now looking like a 50-year-old child. Exactly. <laughs> to... Now. Yes, right. it's called yeah. 666 Isaac's Revenge Isaac's Return. Isaac's
1: Revenge, yeah. I've we, not seen would it. Would we count
0: 9, 10? Yeah.
1: I think there's ten, including the sci-fi This is part six movie. or something. Also, this, like, he got a little spark once, here. One
0: short story spawned...
1: That many movies. And, and many these
0: movies. movies after the first one. The second one has maybe some resemblance to the, to the short fiction. But not, none of the rest do except for one, which I'll, I'll talk about and then we'll move on. Uh, the Isaac one, though, it, like, spurned that actor or whatever to have a small, like... Like Renaissance in terms of he was going to like <laughs> horror conventions and like you know the field of screams thing mm-hmm. like is it up in PA <laughs> or whatever they yeah, actually had him yeah. there for a couple of, like it's no like what's he come out and they're like please star of Children let me- of the Corn. For, <laughs> I'll pay you to sign your autograph. Yeah. <laughs> like, on.
2: Give me your notepad. You can say that he's become a. You can say that he's become a husk of a yes. man. Yeah.
1: Oh, well played. <laughs> well
0: give me, played. give me your lunch money. He who walked behind the rose demands it. But <laughs> yeah. um, the Sci-Fi Channel did one in two thousand nine, Children of the Corn, and it was actually very faithful to the the short story. It was creepy. The other thing that's notable about it is the kids were actual kids like young kids like all of them were around the including malachi and isaac they were all around malachi was a little older but isaac was a little child preacher like he was about the age of the kid in the first movie the little sidekick kid right and that made it significantly creepier and they kept the downbeat ending where Bert and vicky don't make it out of gatlin it wasn't a bad movie actually uh I wasn't honestly it's sad to say I kind of enjoyed the goofiness of the original better, but it wasn't bad. Did any of you guys did anyone see this one?
2: Yeah, I saw it. It's yeah. alright, like you said. There's there's some I, I like that choice of actually using mostly kid actors. I think that adds a little bit more creepiness to the movie than it did in the yeah. first one. Whereas you kinda of just the Isaac stuff's really over the top in, in the first one. But you know, if you really honestly if you've seen one of these movies, that's really enough. That's that's very true, and we, we could probably move on to that point.
0: I think <laughs> verdict here is simple. Short story, better than movies. Yes. All oh, yes. nine. <laughs> All right. Um, so what do we have next on the list there, Seth?
2: Uh, we have The Lawnmower Man. <laughs> oh. Oh. This will be quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did I start,
1: not, with the, start with the novel ad or start
0: Let's start with the story because, I mean, did I not text we just, you the two page did. story. Yes. I yeah. texted
1: Nathan immediately after I finished reading that short story. I was like, this is the most bat ass insane thing I've ever read in my life.
0: I, I love the short story, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's great.
1: It's kind of crazy, yeah. too
0: yeah it, it it you know what I mean like i I love the short stories as well. It is yeah. exactly that it is it's nut, quick, nutty it, it is yeah, it's crazy and it's, it's such a weird, it's like a simple idea that you would think in your head and be like, I'm not making that into a story. it's too ridiculous, which is essentially yeah. there's lawn service
2: <laughs>
0: shocked that yeah. they made it a movie, yeah of yeah. well, yeah. all those Stephen King things I've read that's the last one of the last well, did you see the movie? Yeah, yeah, See the is even more shocking <laughs> when you realize it has nothing to do. I mean, let's say, again, there's spoilers here, the short story, a guy hires get calls a lawnmower man to come to his house, cut his grass, and when the guy gets there, he goes out, he falls asleep on the couch, he gets up, the lawnmower man is naked, crawling on his belly, eating the grass as the lawnmower goes <laughs> yeah. it for him. And it turns out he works with for the God Pan. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah. the yeah these satyrs are coming to their house and getting <laughs> naked and eating the grass and yet he still finds a way to make horror because the lawnmower when he sees it the guy like gets up and he makes king makes a big deal of the details of the guy he can see the furry, furry like right yeah. the grass on the guy's teeth and you're yeah. like oh you know how like new, and new he eat, like, cut rat grass or something that yeah the, like, yeah like a gopher comes up and the lawnmower hits it and the guy's like Grr, just crawls over and grabs the rat it's insane <laughs> i mean he probably wrote that coked up yeah. <laughs> I mean, had Trump, to want yeah. Some, I mean, something yeah. I felt coked
1: up after reading
0: it and the lawnmower like jumps you know went through the window and just runs the guy down and end the story very short I remember when the movie was coming out I got the night shift book and I was reading I was like yes the lawnmower man I'm like the what like the trailer <laughs> I saw how are they going to make this movie and it's, it's going to just... be over before it starts yeah. right <laughs> does anyone want to try and summarize the movie because I think that's actually harder than summarizing huh. the story not really, especially a, a challenged guy. You know, goes to, has you know he works with this other dude. He's like, hey, I think I can fix you. Let me throw I you in the machine. Say, oh, you know, what's the Throw
1: you in the machine. <laughs> what does he do? He, like it's a virtual, virtual reality. What's <laughs> about
0: the virtual reality?
1: Virtual reality.
0: How did he get to this point? Like and then craziness ensues afterwards. It's Jeff Ahe man? Does no. anyone
1: eat grass?
0: So King has had he his he mows name. the yarn. Yeah, he does mow the yard. There's only one scene in this movie that is analogous to the book and that's where uh eventually once he has these mind powers because virtual has made him smart this is a point in time still where no one knew what computers actually did so like <laughs> <Yeah>. virtual reality is the wave of the future we had this movie we had ghost in the machine <laughs> what and, year did uh, yeah. it come out though virtuosity. It came out, uh, virtuosity uh if you're a full moon fan we had arcade uh, yeah <laughs> you know, uh, we had that one with like the net and like uh hackers it was like a whole summer full of these things brain, brain scan, scan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yo me a soda uh the yeah. <laughs> um the movie uh the lawnmower man was a little bit ahead of that curve it was like 92 okay and the it's basically flowers for Algernon. like the yeah. first part of it kind of is where like you got this guy who's slow and he has a wait for his brain to increase pierce bronson yeah pierce bronson jeff fahey who else was in the i think that's it <laughs> but um <laughs> You know, he's a likable guy. He gets smarter and smarter. And then they start to be a (laughs) cybo man. Uh, It's got some interesting ideas in it, but it has no... There's no... No, no. The only reason it says Stephen King's name on is because in the early 90s, King was popular. That's the only connection. And the scene, eventually, when he has these mind powers, he makes the lawnmower go after the abusive father. And it jumps the... It, again, jumps the window and, and, and kills the guy. Um, and that's about it. The movie, the special effects were cool at the time. I remember I'm seeing it so, the a theater. They weren't bad. I'm we're so bad. disappointed
1: Pan is not involved in this at all.
0: No, there's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. You can watch it through and through yeah. and there's no element of it. It just... They literally saw that title, and this was happening a lot in the nineties. I can say they were just grabbing anything. Go. King we actually had his Stephen, name we throw Stephen King's name on it, and yeah. go. He actually had his name removed from this one, and that was probably yeah. wise. It's not really worth tracking down. It's a Brett Leonard movie? We talked about him last week there with Hideaway. There yeah. was a sequel, Jobs War, where Matt Frewer took over the. So I the cannot say never saw it. Was it even worth the? Summer oh watched? no no no! no. It was even when it came out. It was like bottom of the barrel. It really should have been a direct to to. to VHS, vhs movie at that yeah. time it was 95 I, I think it was you know back in the day that's when all the movies were in the newspaper and they had you know the good movies got the giant ad lawnmower man its first weekend had that it's like two inch side like down in the corner yeah uh not a good movie neither one's good read the short story again yeah anyone else think anything have any thoughts on lawnmower man i will
1: say this i look forward to like 10 or 15 years down the road rediscovering that story if I read through this book again. I,
0: was, I thought you were when they make the <laughs> movie right. version
2: with John Goodman as the long oh, 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 oh. we we'll head to. But... Hey, buddy. He's got the green stuff on his TV. <laughs> we have uh, the woman in the room, Frank Darabont. So I think it was his first... Yeah. I, his first uh, directorial debut of a really different kind of King story and yeah. uh, a really good King story as well, too. It's not, it's not horror. I mean, well, it's horror in a way. But, um this is king channeling sort of hitchcock poe-esque
0: feelings poe is probably too strong actually because it's not really dostoevsky is a bad good, good yeah, yeah. dostoevsky is much better choice it's a very sedate kind of story mm-hmm. um and the tension is really more in like what's going on in a single character's mind mm-hmm. um what did you guys think about the short story does any do you guys remember it
1: I thought it was written very well. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was the like dialogue. I think it was
0: fantastically, written, horribly produced, films. You know what I mean? Like it was the act. The one guy, the guy that played the, the main characters, I thought yeah. it was good. But I don't know if it was good just because at some point you're like, he's been in it the whole time, and he's your main guy. The the mother who's dying did an okay job, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and really, know. that's all they. All, that's what really all there is. Very forced, yes, but yeah. the dialogue the was saving, good.
1: The saving grace of this piece. Is the way it is written like it? That's what to me makes it. Interesting. It's a stage play. It's not. It's not something that should ever re- or necessarily needs to be adapted in any way. Yeah, yeah so I don't. That's almost, why it didn't really the the, the film version didn't. I'd
0: almost written. rather see it on stage, like see somebody, yeah, doing, like some some back street, you know, production at the high school or, or somewhere. Not Which that'd be a cool thing. School. And you know, that's though I think what this in a sense is. You know, we're looking at it through this lens of like oh, this is production, and we see Frank Darabont's name. But I think Darabont was basically a film student at the point this thing was made. So did, and I think this was a dollar baby, too. And this is actually... It, a, it was. It's a perfect sort of scenario for that. You're thinking, okay, I want to adapt something. I want to try my filmmaking skills and my, and my adaptation so skills. So in that aspect, he did yeah, perfectly fine. You have your resources are so small. Yeah. And I think it's a better... It's one of the best of the dollar babies from that era that I've seen. Uh, the three I can think of, Disciples of the Crow, there was this, and then we're going to get to the Boogeyman. Uh, for him with all that. So, so just for everyone, the problem
1: that I have with this is specifically is I wish I had a clean copy to watch. I feel yeah. like I would see better, like what his intention was while he was making it. Would, it yeah, the film, the just out of the cinematography. Se- second I that. feel like yeah. the YouTube version I watched in like three chunks was like really kind of grainy. And, and I don't like, know
0: why. Like Darabont's got a couple of good King adaptations out there. If, if they release a, a special version, edition, like, why not three. just throw yeah three
1: mm-hmm. that I can think of.
0: Why not, yeah. if we have a special edition of The Mist or something, just throw that on as an extra, you know? Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> would be, that'd yeah. be a, perfect, yeah. a perfect place Someone for
1: it. might even buy it just for that.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, you were about to say something, Jason? Uh, well, just, just that, I, I, again, I thought it should have been a play. It would be a great short story. love to see somebody do it in a high school or something like that to really, you know, maybe... It, it's it's only like half an hour. It's a manuscript, in, in essence, from start to yeah. finish. Yeah. But that's um, not a bad, yeah. That's a. It would make a good, um. Hey, it make a good audio drama, yeah. In a sense, yeah. Although Although you you almost have only one person there, but if you are reading yeah, it out, talking, you can, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I I enjoy. I think it's this is definitely one where you you can appreciate it from the perspective of hey, darabont has been making King stuff for a long time, and this was and this can see the genesis of it here. Is first thing he adapted, he has a real passion for it, and it's interesting. And but the the, the short story is where it's at. I think you know, yeah. Um. What else we we have? Do you want to talk about the boogeyman? The since boogeyman. we're on it, has anyone else seen the boogeyman? No, I um, did. I've seen it. Yeah, a while it's, ago. It's pretty poor. We could probably uh, yeah. you remember the story, Jason. Kind of. It yeah. was in. Um, that was Again, in. It
1: was. I like the story. Yeah. Cool.
2: This is also. I think kind it's, of... it's one of his most dark stories. I think.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's it's a it's a wicked little
0: thing. It's also a kind of two hander in a sense that could be stage play, because you essentially have a guy on a psychiatrist's couch, really? And the yeah. psychiatrist there. Now, I haven't read this one in a while, so can you guys refresh my memory? He's basically talking about, are his kids murdered, have been murdered by the boogeyman? So, yeah, several
1: of them. He had, yeah. he had, like, two kids, and each had, like, um, two or three kids, and the first one, uh, they didn't know really what was going on, and the kid would just cry at night, and then they went home one night, and the kid was murdered. They didn't know what was going on with that, so... The second time, uh, the wife was like, you know, you need to bring the kid in with us to sleep with us. Like, Obviously, she's dealing with the repercussions of what had previously happened. She wants to be near the child at all times. And he's like, no, no, you're going to ruin the child, having him in here with us all the time. And kid gets murdered again. And uh, so... Now he's kind of like a broken guy at this point talking to a psychiatrist. He realizes, you know, maybe there is something crazy going on, some kind of boogeyman or something. The kid could see that we couldn't, or the children could see that we couldn't. And maybe this is all my fault. I feel like I was trying to do my best to keep the child from becoming like a mama's boy by having him with us all the time. But So anyway, he's talking to the psychiatrist, and then there's the twist at the end. That's basically what happens.
2: Right, which yeah. is that
0: the psychiatrist is the boogeyman. Yeah, he's just going <laughs> to yeah. <way> finish <laughs> the
1: job.
2: <laughs> I will definitely say when it comes to this short story, um, this is – I think this is one of his like better like scary short stories. Uh, and as I said on previous podcasts, like I started reading King when I was really young. And this is a story I read pretty early on when I got the Night Shift collection. Um and then I reread it not, not too long ago, maybe a year or so ago. And definitely after now having kids for years, like this was one story that was actually difficult for me to get through because some of the stuff in here is pretty, pretty dark, just the way it's described, is really kind of hard to take, especially after you become a parent. So I will give it a caveat to that. If you do have kids and you're very sensitive to that stuff, this might be one of those stories you might want to skip. If you have
0: very young kids that are at that age of like,
2: and, and I think that's yeah. the
0: distillation of the fear thing. This basic story boils down to that desire to be a parent who is protecting your children, but also giving them like some latitude to become the the people they're supposed to be and then what happens when that goes wrong and it's that fear of i'm gonna mess up Mm -hmm. and that's what the boogeyman story essentially is now i remember reading too when i was younger and i always linked it to there was an episode of the real ghostbusters do you remember this the cartoon show the ghostbusters (laughs) there was one where they fought the boogeyman he would he lived in a dimension he would come out of the wall the, the the rooms so when i read this story i always sort of pictured him looking like that which probably did a disservice to the short story but probably um but it's a good story the film, ver- or the again, Dollar Baby, not so good. It's really, the, the, the Boogeyman stuff seems cheesy, and the acting is not very good.
1: Again, it um, could have just been the film quality, but the end, when they really finally reveal the Boogeyman, the thing that you're really supposed to be scared of, it's the most goofy-looking, gray, like, costumed, skinny-looking... Yeah, this is
0: a point where, like, they almost would have been better just to see the reaction. It would have been cheesy, but mm. reaction shot on the guy's face is like a shadow crosses over would have been more so effective. Down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that's that's basically like Twilight Zone level, but it would have been
2: a, more effective than what they had because they just didn't have the budget to do it right. Um, next up. Well, I have a question for you guys. Who made who? Which brings us into Maximum Overdrive. Oh, yeah. Who made who?
0: Uh... Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maximum Overdrive and Trucks. There are two adaptations. Here. Yes. So let's talk about the short story because I know the minute we hit maximum overdrive, we are super derailed. I did like the (laughs) short. I did enjoy the short story. I think the short story is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because it gets it's where it goes is cooler to me than like what's happening in the here and now of the story, which initially is that the trucks have come to life and they're just running people down, and then the thought comes across the main character: Well, we'll just wait till they run out of gas. But then they start beeping out the uh, Morse, code. Morse code, right, code, yeah. to, and calling them out. And then they realize, hey, we're basically going to realize, hey, basically gonna be slaves to these things. Well, don't worry. The gas pumps will run out. And then the tanker Comes runs in. Yeah, the yeah. It's freaking awesome. But towards the end, he starts Great. to think like... Where is this going to end? Well, they'll rust and they'll die. But no, because what if they just have slave labor manufacturing plants that make more of them? And what happens when they pave the pave everything and they pave the you know they suck the oceans dry and they just remake the world in the image of cars? And I think that the end is him looking in the sky and he sees two planes and he says something along the lines of like, I wish I could believe there were people inside of yes. this. Yes, like yeah. this, that was a great. This idea. I think that really what he wrote here was the origin story for the movie Cars. Could be that way.
1: That would make it three
0: hundred years ago. (laughs) So, um, any other thoughts about the short story, or thoughts on the short story? I like that they weren't
1: just like your typical invading force that are just coming to take over the planet because they are. But there was a lot of malice in their actions, like the, the trucks, they were just wanting, like, wantonly destroying things until they th- figured out they needed them. Yeah, was, <laughs> you're right, it was like, I'm just going to crush you, and like, oh
0: wait, wait yeah. you used to drive me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to pump us if we don't have, okay. Yeah, so I, I, I thought it was cool.
0: And he tells it, well, I mean, who'd have thought that you could make, put something in words that crazy? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Well, and he knows when and to stop it. Like this is where the short the, thing works. In that time, and I don't know many, I don't know many authors that can get away with doing it now. Well, he wrote a whole book later called Christine. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, that did extremely well. You know,
1: Heck Barker made that story about the like two towns that clashed as a giant or something.
3: That's insane. Yeah, that's a good story.
0: We we'll have to do a Barker short story episode. That'll be <laughs> that'll be real trippy. That's when he can get the whippets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> But um any other thoughts on the story? So this we get to that point when if you're a director, I mean if you're a, you're you're in one medium as an artist, you always like to look over and say, "Hey, I bet I could do that." And what? This is is this 80 what year is this? 83, 84 for Maximum Overdrive. I think it sounds about right. It sounds about right. Um so King has probably looked around and seen some of his adaptations of his work and said, "Hey, you know, I could probably do this. I mean, even though people love it, he was not a fan of like what Kubrick did with The Shining. So he's probably kind of feeling like, "Hey, who better to
2: adapt my work than me?" Yeah, he even says it in the trailer. Does he? <laughs> he well, says, if you want something done right, you need to do it yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I remember one of the
2: nice. posters was him with, like, puppet marionette strings
0: yeah. with Emilio Estevez was- and the rest of the cast. Yeah. Like, um, yeah I, like, so he directs Maximum Overdrive. He's on record. He has a couple quotes. He calls it a moron movie. Um, he also <laughs> says that he was coked out of his mind and he doesn't even really remember where he was at or what he was doing at that uh, point at that point he i believe he says this when he wrote cujo too he doesn't remember writing cujo yeah. because of um all the the drugs flowing around yeah. at that point um you can kind of tell it's kind of on screen so it's cool that it was filmed in uh, wilmington north carolina which is neat that's cool i get relatives down there and... so i've been to where they film parts of oh really that. yeah it's kind of neat so that's why it has a personal well, Personal, it's one of those... That's where I
1: got my uh, red Ford that I had for a while. Yeah.
0: This is definitely... <laughs> kind not... of a neat area down there, really. Did, yeah. it, did it ever do anything on its own? Never demand no. gas from you? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to run you into a wall. It was um, my good and faithful servant. Yeah. <laughs> There's no... They don't talk. You know, it's just honking the horns. <laughs> uh, Emilio Estevez, I mean, he was... What was, what was he with well, This is prior to Young Guns. Um it's a, an ACDC. ACDC's whole yeah. like, basically, was it was it Who Made Who? The their whole album is basically the soundtrack. So, which has a lot oh. of great hits on it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. And at that time, I think King was saying, like, ACDC is, like, his favorite band, so... Well, he's uh, all tripped out, whatever. You know, yeah, well, you know, know. I must you have been a good time. And, uh, he's waking up, he's doing coke. He's going to bed, he's doing coke. <laughs> which, which again, it kind of shows up on screen, and in some of the stories you hear about this making of this movie, there were at least two near... There was one near accident where someone was, like, uh... A, a foley guy was nearly crushed or something, mm. and uh, someone pulled him out of the way when a car like flipped over. So I don't know. King probably wasn't, you know, he was directing the stunts and probably didn't have the proper, like, you know, safety precautions. There' another thing that they do towards the beginning of the movie with the the lawnmower kind of goes crazy, which may have been a an homage to the lawnmower man. I don't know, but like it ends up shooting <laughs> That's a piece before Lawnmower Man. Well, but I'm not sure if it was before the story before oh, I read okay. yeah, so i'cause I think the stories he wrote a lot of these stories even earlier yes. like in the seventies, so the lawnmower shoots a piece of a, a splinter of wood or something, whatever happens, the stunt goes wrong and it shoots something into the cameraman's eye, so the cinematographer Jeez. the Italian cinematographer, he only does like one more movie after this, Shoot. and I'm trying to remember what it was. it wasn't anything really. That notable, uh, it was like in the mid '90s, oh, and so he got one eye. Yeah, uh, so
1: <laughs> depth perception is horrible.
0: It's tragic, though. I mean, he sued. He sued for like eighteen million, and I think they settled out of court on it. But yeah, I think King is aware that directing is not for him now. My thoughts on the movie: it is just it's a mess. It's a mess from the beginning. There's a really creepy scene though involving like a meat slicer. Like those electric meat carvers, I mean that's oh, really yeah. gross. <laughs> I love it. And and King and his wife have a cameo towards the beginning with the ATM where it tells them to like go to hell or something like <laughs> that. The yeah. soda machine fires a can of Pepsi. I don't know what was it. What was the product? Does anybody remember? I don't remember. Mr. Pibbs. No, I have no idea. I think it was Pepsi. <laughs> I think RC. it was Pepsi. So Pepsi paid them to do it and fired yeah, yeah. that thing into the guy's forehead. Yeah, There's a kid that gets run carpet, over by a, steam you know. the <laughs> steamroller death was pretty funny, was pretty good. This is the 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 age it of movies terrible. like The Hitcher. I mean, it's just yeah. terrible. It was terrible. Well, let's talk to you about the ending. in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah, best, well, almost with, the best with ACDC, means. and I think I, I got to give Hulu credit. Hulu's been throwing a lot of King stuff up there. I think Hulu has this available to watch. Hulu or Amazon, one of them. So if you want to to, to try your luck at Maximum Maximo, it, you know it's a beer and pizza kind of thing. Don't try yeah. to watch yeah. it like without it'll help. come on. it'll it'll come <laughs> on between now. It'll be on the. The down, yeah, in between now and, and Halloween on AMC or whatever. But let's talk about the ending to that, because that has one of those endings where, like, you know, we talked about they, they slap a ha- There's no happy ending to the short story, obviously. No. They want to slap a happy ending onto this, but they don't even, like, they have the showdown with the car, which has that goblin, the green goblin head on the front of it. And that was a cool image. I will say that was kind of yep. neat. That was very iconic. But once they destroy it, do you guys remember that there's basically, like, this title card that comes up at the yeah. end that explains like a whole story about how like Russian satellites shot down a UFO and like stopped the carnage <laughs> and you're like what? a Russian satellite yeah. like equipped with missiles blows a UFO out of the sky and stops the whole like rain of the cars oh and you're like, it did good until it, it didn't do good the whole, the whole movie, is pretty much. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, Shot. This, I is your, like a, this is your hot mess movie. Just th- it go It was away. a hot <laughs> mess movie, but you <laughs> like it. The best part was it was ACDC. Yeah, the Green Goblin <laughs> thing. It had the guy with the, the soda can and the forehead. So uh, this movie would have been a good for a remake, I think. And they did remake it, but unfortunately they remade it on the Sci-Fi Channel in the late it's 90s. It's one of those mo- It's there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of the movies that I never thought could be an adaptation to a short story made into an adaptation of a movie or whatever. It doesn't make sense.
1: It does to some extent. It's yeah. cool. It shocks you. The the words do it justice. I don't think it does on that level. For yeah, ha-
0: you have to be creative You have to be a little campy, but you got to be a little bit creative with it. Um yep. You almost have to go full like Mad Max or something. I think almost like yeah. you have to really embrace it. Which it was trying to. I would give King credit. He was trying to make it as visceral as he knew how, based on the tools he had. He just you know he was not the gifts he has as a writer. He wasn't able to bring those to bear on the movie, um, I don't think. And the, the movie with Timothy Busfield, the one trucks in 97, is not really worth talking about. It's just bland and silly. I don't think I've ever seen that. It's not really worth it. Did anyone else see it?
1: No. I've seen a lot of garbage. Uh, what's what's
0: what's next on the list?
1: Are you saying that's not going to make the TV movies?
2: No, no. <laughs> no, no. Next up we have Sometimes They Come Back. Oh, my. For
0: three or four sequels.
2: Yeah. Ugh. So, I like this short story, though. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. The, I it's like a pretty good
0: sorry. one. Not my favorite, but pretty no. good. Not my I agree. It Not, not my, my least favorite. favorite of it, but it wasn't some, yeah. This one feels like it could have stood from actually being potentially a novella. Um, because yeah. I think he's trying to cash in on... Not cash in. I think he's trying to channel some of his nostalgia. He's has this issue with bullies, which... I get and understand, and I appreciate that it was the driving force behind Carrie, the driving yeah. force behind it. It's a driving force behind the story, which is about a man and he, who's remembering when his brother was basically killed by a bunch of punk bullies in like the 1950s. And and I don't know what King's upbringing was like if he had some issues with bullies, but man, they show up a lot. So in he his grew, work. He a grew up, lot. I think he grew up in Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, he was not did come from a wealthy family yeah. at all. Like, and, but, he had, and he had siblings, but this particular kind of bully, this sort of like. Factless rebel without a cause, but really is just a mean dude who who usually comes from a line of mean dudes. Is a shtick, not a stick, It's a it's a trope that plays out in a lot of his work. Yeah. Yeah. and it's it's really front and center here. But this is also a weird supernatural story because the, the 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 punks are back there, and it's sort of about how you can still be reduced to that fear, uh, that fearful little kid that you were as an adult. Which again, sometimes they come back as almost like training wheels for it just like there's a story in a way i you can see how the concepts there of the guy having to redeal with this terror sphere he had as a kid yeah it comes back uh there's a weird bit with the story though because towards the end he actually uses like dark magic like (laughs) his satanic forces really to bring a demonic version of his brother back and he's Mm -hmm. he kind of knows he's gonna have to pay the piper uh eventually down the the road because this demon looks like his brother and comes back and deals does away with the punks and it's like well you can walk tall and carry a big stick but what's the price of the big stick yeah it doesn't really have i don't think it has a lot of like um heft to it it's just a fun little like horror story i guess i you know thoughts on it Mm agree great horror story ghost story yeah it's cool I like Which the one I wouldn't give, I wouldn't, you know, maybe the kids read and I'm okay with it. You're right. It's not too intense. It is a little age. dark because I think his kid and his wife are killed, like run off the road or something. Or am I, is that what happens or is mm-hmm. it just as way Yeah. Um, did anyone see this, the, the film? Yes.
2: I've seen three of
0: them. Oh my gosh. Uh, I don't know. I don't have much to say except that there's a lawn. lawnmower death in part two. Um, yeah.
2: So... The first movie actually
0: isn't that bad. I don't think uh, it's it's dated no. for its time. It captures some of the nostalgia stuff well. It came out within months of it actually as a TV movie. I think is it Timothy not Timothy Hutton? Who is it? It's um the guy. Uh, the guy Tim, Matheson? Tim Matheson. Tim Matheson. From They're all the same Battlestar Galactica, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think so. Yeah, so <laughs> Tim Matheson is in it, and the old Battlestar. Yeah tim matheson and he's not bad in it. it's it's okay it's like uh it's not the decent. worst stephen king adaptation i've ever seen no they did make sequels i believe the second one has um a guy who's actually been a couple of king ad, uh, adaptations um he was he was classic for playing the crusty old man in movies morgan shepherd uh his son um mark shepherd is on the tv show supernatural plays uh, the demon crowley But Mark Shepard, uh, I remember the only thing I really remember about sometimes they come back again or whatever it is, is that there's another lawnmower death where like. I don't know how the punks basically drove around a car running people down in the first movie. In the second movie, they have all these new powers, and isn't there a point when like the vines come up and pull one of the neighbor kids down and he pulls him down the ground so his head can get run over by a lawnmower. (laughs) Another king (laughs) lawnmower. Isn't (laughs) Seth, maybe you can tell me about this. Isn't the third movie take place in like an Alaskan research base or something? Yeah. I mean an Antarctic
1: research base.
0: Uh, Oh my
2: gosh. How does that even work? Which is i don't even remember the only thing i really remember from this movie was it had the one girl from that tv show murphy brown in it and then it typically is an Antarctica.
0: is there any point where like a 53 like chevy or something just comes driving across the like the, pivot, the back, across the the, like, the back out of the icy you know, driving on the permafrost yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. They're They're running down penguins and stuff <laughs> just for spite <laughs> just that for spite thorn flips off the glacier they come back for more
2: yes.
1: <laughs> that's what it was called
2: what was it called?
0: <laughs> Sometimes they come back. Sometimes Antarctica. they come back for more. No, more. yeah, it was. Yeah. No, the cover art. I remember the cover art. Uh, this is what comes from working it's in a video it's store. In it's like a demonic red hand coming up out of the ice, clawing its way the I ice. I do remember that cover. Oh. Yes, it's like so disconnected
2: from the original concept. There's no. There's almost no point in it. Oh. Uh, what's next? It's got three- it's got a great tagline. Hell has finally frozen over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh.
0: They, they were turning these out. It's like you know how they like, have a few choices. We can either send them to space or we can send them to the Arctic. <laughs> I think Carnosaur Three did that. What? Uh, what else you got? You <laughs> got Graveyard Shift. The Graveyard Shift. Oh my goodness! Good on both ends. I, you know what? Chris and I watched the movie recently. I went like anticipation of this. I went to like you gotta Walmart. Take yourself back yeah. to that era. I went to Walmart. And they had on a disc for 10 bucks. they had the Dead Zone, Silver Bullet, which we'll talk about later. And then we have the Graveyard Shift and Pet Cemetery. I was like, for $10, Sold. that's a good, yeah, yeah. I mean, I-, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I like all the, so I, my memory of Graveyard Shift, I remember distinctly. Came out like right around the time of like Misery and the It miniseries and sometimes again, it was like the king was hot again. Do we want to start with the story? Yeah, we can start with the story because I think the story. This is another case. Have we have we come across a case yet where the story where the movie's better than the story? I don't think so don't yet. Think how so. we? No, no. No. But, um, no. Here's our first. I don't know. I still think the story's pretty. Uh, the story's cool. Yeah, I like there's, the story. There's not a lot to it. It's essentially no. Uh, what you've got a bunch of guys that uh, work for a uh, like a hard uh, boss who who's kind of like a jerk and seems to possibly be hiding something. Mill at a at mill. A mill. And it's like weekend overtime and they got to go down and clean out like the, I don't remember what it is in the story. Is it the same kind of deal? They got to go down and clean out like the basement underground and they find like so. a tunnel a, or something? A co- it's a cotton mill, correct? So there's, yeah, there's stuff
1: the main... that just gets everywhere. Yeah. Is it a cotton mill it's... in the short story too? Yeah. They, it's like they're, uh, yeah. They... I think it, I think, I think it's cotton mill in the, in the short yeah. story. But so there's, it's just, because so there's just stuff just like it's c- accumulated, but there's also a lot of, there's a lot of deaths in that place. Like there's well there's yeah. there weren't a lot of deaths. There were a lot of rats. Rats. The death of every movie, yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. And so they're like, you know, when everybody else is on July fourth vacation, we'll pay you guys good money to come down here with giant hoses and just wash oh, all the cool. scrap away yeah. and uh take care of it. Essentially. Right. And
0: this feels like a really like a, this is almost like A lot of the stories in Night Shift have a almost Lovecraft feel to it. And I'm not talking the Lovecraft Elder God stuff. But, like, this has some of that Lovecraft feel. The Mm -hmm. dank, dark, unknown. And they get down there and they start seeing, like different kinds of rats like at yeah. first the rats and then they get to the point where there's like eyeless rats like crawling around and then they some of them don't even have <laughs> legs they're just like slugs further they go down yeah. i think there's like bat rats Wait. and it's like yeah yeah cow-sized yeah. rats eventually they get to one that's like what did he say it's like the size of like a volkswagen or something right. like yeah down in, uh, <laughs> down in there and it's like that's the one i don't think has it's like the the mother rat or something mm-hmm. and it's like uh, but it, that was i mean i remember i, mean, Brandon, I was young when i read it but it scared the living crap out it's of me. It's terrifying. Whatever. It's it is that weird. like jaunt into the unknown it's just creepy.
1: It's the management versus the like college boy story too. Like it's it's like it's there's a class struggle going on the whole
3: time. Like,
0: and just do, did they make it out in that one I don't remember. I don't th- I don't Nobody think so. so. No, no, no. I, I so remember that at least had the satisfaction of seeing the Wharton the the uh the, the, the character the, get Warwick or whatever get chomped before yeah. um right in the head Uh, yes (laughs) so then there's the movie
1: I
2: I like this movie I'm not
1: gonna lie I liked it too what
2: do you think Seth yeah I enjoyed it for what it was when I yeah (laughs) it's got a great poster
0: it did well that was a poster it was just like the but it's so weird because it's like a head with a minor it's a skull with a minor's helmet with blood running down it's like that's
2: hardly even
0: a component of the story um but no it was good (laughs) It was good for its time. It
1: had one of the great... I
2: like the effects in it. Some of the yeah. effects are pretty cool. One of the
1: good, greatest good kill scenes, underappreciated man. Brad Dourif roles ever.
2: That's right. He's, He's like the, the guy that Vietnam
1: played the foreman. The, guy, the dude
0: that played the foreman uh, was great. The actor
1: that played him. He was like a poor man's Clancy Brown.
0: He was like a poor man's Fred... If you took Fred uh, Ward and mixed him with Clancy Brown, you would have this guy. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. And like the, he was fine, but the problem was his fake main accent oh you're gonna work uh, the, yeah, the yeah. graveyard shift and yeah, at the not end not of the, the graveyard. <laughs> you <laughs> can tell that they they really knew that something was all with that because at the end of the movie when the credits are rolling they have this like crazy rap beat and they're just playing <laughs> lines <laughs> from the movie so you're like you're gonna work the graveyard shift i'm sure on youtube they just have the credits for this movie just watch that but I remember <laughs> seeing this movie at, like, a like a sleepover in, like, the sixth grade. Some kid was on a birthday party and was like, what's available to rent? The graveyard Shift." This movie has a distinction for me of probably being one of the grimiest looking movies I've Slay-est, ever seen. Like, when you think of movies that just, like, embody grime and dirt and make you want to go take a... You know, like... That kind of gross, yeah. humid summer evening where you're going to take a yeah. shower. It's Sweat. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Watching yeah. that movie, you can almost feel... You could be watching this movie in the middle of January and you'd be like, Ugh, I've got the like the warm, clammy... like." <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just na- It makes you feel nasty. You feel it would be down that hot, stinking <laughs> basement with all these rats and garbage and furniture and stuff. It's got some good kills in it, too. Like, people yeah. getting, like, kind of ground up, like, hamburger meat inside the cocktail. Yeah. It's got, basically, this: the monster is like a flying turd with wings, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like a giant rodent-y thing. The Brad Dura performance is pretty amazing, because it's yes. like, he... He's channeling so much like unfettered quiet rage. At one point there's just a like an angry tear running down the side, side of his face, face as he whispers <laughs> like <laughs> whispers this story about Vietnam and the rats yes, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> It's silly. It's a monster but it's movie. Very it's fun, like yeah. yeah, it's on the on the level of like the Relic or something. It's just a good cheesy monster movie, but no CGI, like all practical effects. The rats are gross. Rats are gross in this yeah. movie. Yeah. And there's a Beach Boys yeah. musical number halfway through. <laughs> what's, <laughs> not like,
1: what's not What's
0: not I mean, it? honestly, if you're looking for a cheesy bad monster movie, I mean or a monster movie, it's it's decent. And it's it it, it sort of captures some of the story. I don't think completely, but mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean depending on what your latitude is, maybe you do like the movie better than the story in that case. Uh what else do we have, Seth? Uh
2: well, speaking of people getting ground up, that's gonna bring us into the mangler.
0: The mangler. Yes. I think we can do this one quick we'll do this back to
1: back. <laughs> I don't know
2: though. Yeah. The
0: story was good. Yeah, let's talk no, yeah, let, go ahead. Chris, you want I to I like pick the this? story
1: a lot. I thought it, it it took a very commonplace theme, like you've got an industrial factory. There's one of the fears people have about that kind of thing is oh somehow I'm gonna get stuck in a machine. And you see all these videos on YouTube of people making mistakes and like their arm gets ripped off from around you know industrial accidents. Yeah. Well, this is a this is a big old steam cleaning machine that manages to maul down more people than it should in its lifespan. You think but, about
0: in the industrial age, you know, talking about the early 1900s, which isn't the timeline for this, but that's was number one cause of death was working in a factory. Yeah. So then you have this thing. It's like you know, (laughs) there's just it's just this this
1: machine that somehow, in some way, become alive and sentient and evil and wants to eat humans.
0: And the story though is told like a mystery. Like we don't know. And from a police perspective,
1: they're looking at there's been multiple deaths
0: or (laughs) manglings.
1: And this cop's like, I can't believe I'm actually thinking there's some sinister force. Behind this machine, interesting (laughs) Uh, because
0: if I remember, it's been a while since I read the short story. Doesn't he meet a guy who tells him a story about like a cooler or a fridge that was like killing like birds or something? It was full of like dead, uh, dead uh, like seagulls or something. Which is to to the movie stays true to the movie. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you know, I mean, it gives a creepy sense (laughs) what's going on. But it two things he starts to anthropomorphize the steam cleaning thing right from the beginning, like. He describes it in terms that you would use for like a dinosaur or like a giant a beast. Breath. Like yeah. yeah, he makes it seem dreadful even before you get and again, to the point. that that's his, his writing style with the corn. Again, if you yeah. if you read it, and I and I, I'm to reread Children of the Corn to get that feeling. But I think he does that. He animates certain things that can't be animated, or yeah. Certain, yeah. it doesn't make sense in yeah. the real world. He can kind of make sense of it. Which it has is a, a gift. Has a good twist ending on the Mangler. Yes, it does yeah what's surprising is he bothers to go into there's another one with some satanism in it you know with some <laughs> dark magic going on and i was surprised it went that way like do we really need to know why the mangler's alive but he gets into it and he gets into it for the purpose of like they try to counteract it don't they with a spell mm-hmm. and then they realize in yeah. the end that like uh gelatin or something is a specific ingredient uh, there, was some, something in the, there was something in the acid, wasn't it Yes, there yeah. was something in there. That, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was something in that. the antacid that the old lady dropped in the first, and it's an one ingredient. of the first ones. Once it got a taste of blood, it wanted more. And they realized that this means it's a different grade of demon or whatever. Yes. And they thought they were. Oh fighting. shit! That ain't yeah. gonna work. Yeah. You know what? Our, our fr- fr- freaking can't do thing here. Yeah. This isn't
1: quite cut it. The guy with the five head <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's a good. Yeah, it's a great fun horror story. And it like, kind of stands on its own. It's got a cool little mm-hmm. twist. It's probably one of the top five stories, in my opinion, in the book. Absolutely. It's um, right um, shooters, yeah, too. absolutely. How about the movie? Tobe Hooper, by the way, did this one. Belly
2: flop. Yeah, I know. Can you... Tobe Hooper and Robert England. Three. Well, that's yeah, <laughs> not good. Hooper and England it were boring. sort of beyond
0: their time, I think, at this point. That's somebody got yeah. really cooked up at a party in Hollywood and figured they could make a good movie.
2: Yeah, kind of
0: you no. Know, I, I
2: mean, and then two additional oh, sequels something. to it. Yeah, well,
0: we'll get into that. But the, the, the King says of Toby, the, the he was so excited. He said when he heard Toby Hooper was going to be the, the director, he was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, this is awesome." Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, he's going to be this is going to be instrumental. And, and he, he said, "Wow, did he fail?" And all of a sudden, you have Freddy Krueger, you know, with one eye and and walking around with on a cane and it's and, a weird, it's not a weird. Yeah. He said, it was just, he goes, what happened? You know, like, you know, what, you know, he goes, and, and honestly, at that point, it, it, he signed off on it. It was done. It was going to be what it was going to be. Yeah. It, it just, it doesn't have a lot. It, it's also not the caliber of movie you'd expect because The Toe Pooper at this point is doing almost direct-to-video things. It, it's not a big-budget film. Yeah. Uh, there's what. If, let's it talk w- about But the, they f- spent some money on the, 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 the. You look, you watch it, and there's, like, the set and everything. They, the set was, looks cool. The, the special effects some, are terrible. They're horrible. Yeah. Um, but they had to have spent some money on the set, and, and they, they spent money on an actor. I mean, Rob, <laughs> at that point, he's still. Angle. Well, you have England. you also have Ted Levine from. Uh, mostly known for Silence of the land, right, you know, right, right. And he, and he's, yeah, he's like you know. Wait a minute, where? Yeah, uh, you're, you're, you're telling me. You're, uh, give me your interaction pill. Not nuts. I, you
1: know, though, I'll say, washing <laughs> machine. Ted Levine
0: is probably one of the highlights of the movie. Honestly, like, uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, I was not saying a lot, but he was okay. I didn't think. You that, Got a beer? Yeah, I don't think that that was <laughs> really a problem is... with the movie. Well, that was right. Like in, in lieu of dialogue, they just had these little like ticks that the characters oh, it's had. Terrible. It's just not it, horrible. It it loses any sense of the atmosphere, of the story had. Mm-hmm. So everybody is in agreement. Yeah, bad, bad, bad ending too. Bad yeah. ending where they try to give it a and little and they did more two boost. sequels
1: off it. That, that's, that's that's what's, what's amazing. To say who's and then
0: they did nine off it. Of Doesn't one of those involve the internet or like virtual reality again? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not kidding. I and mean, one of them has Lance Henriksen in it. Yes. <laughs> Nah, yeah, like that's Mangler right. Two Reborn
2: or something. Oh my gosh, <laughs> remangled. <laughs> Next on our list, uh, that's going to bring us up to um, Nightmares and Dreamscape's Battleground. Ah, did any? Did you guys see this one? Yeah, I didn't see that one. yeah. both. right.
0: So, saw it. And yeah, explanation. Uh, yeah, an explanation for people listening. Nightmares and Dreamscape's TNT did, and I was pretty excited when they announced it. Um, but I was kind of disappointed in the overall like stories they chose, except for for this one. And, Me too. Uh, there's a couple others. Uh, I, I there were a couple they wanted to make. One was home delivery. That's in uh, not, actually in Dreams Dreamscapes. It's like the homage to Ramiro. They should have done that. That's yeah. such a great story. Yeah, but, that would have been cool. They did at some level, but I don't think it was a mainstream thing. but wasn't on. Yeah. They did a little like animation. It wasn't it wasn't very good, but they did. I wanted to see them do that for this series. But it was a it was like a, a series. I think it was like um. I can't remember if they were one hour episodes or not, mm-hmm. you know, or 45 yeah. minutes. And they did about eight of them, I think. They aired like two a night. They did this. this so the opening evening of this, it was like 2005, I think, uh, they did Crouch End, which was a story from Nightmares and Dreamscapes. But they didn't re- rely solely on Nightmares and Dreamscapes. They pulled short stories from other places. And one of the places they pulled them from was from Night Shift and this story called Battleground. So let's talk about... Yeah. This might be the first case on the list where I'm going to say... The adaptation better than the story. Yeah, uh, battleground is like. Does anyone remember? Was it um was it a family guy or was it a, a, a simpsons skit there's a skit where they show like king trying to come up with ideas and he's looking around the room and he's like uh, i'm going to write a story about a killer <laughs> lamp and he like yeah. grabs a lamp and he's yeah. like let's make a story about a lamp <laughs> you can almost see it happening in like night shift a little bit like let's have killer corn and then like later in the day he's like a killer industrial cleaning machine <laughs> and then he's like finally he's like killer <laughs> killer to <beer>. killer, <laughs> killer beer killer toy soldiers yeah grey matter
1: <laughs> which is actually probably my favorite story in the yeah.
0: and then he gets to killer footlocker of little green army men and that's what the story really is right a hitman versus a locker of <laughs> little green army men that come to life and try to kill him and that's that's it yeah <laughs> that's
1: really all
0: there is definitely. I mean anyone have any comments on the story it's not a bad story but that's what it is no <laughs> it's not yeah. bad
2: I think this one definitely does well with a visual element to it. Um, it. you know and I like the the adaptation of this like you said I'll agree with you. I think it's it comes across better when you can actually see it happening. And they did a really good job with the episode itself. It's the episode is there's I don't believe there's any dialogue in that episode whatsoever. It's, uh, is it William Hurt who's in it?
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He was a good actor. So got a good actor in William Hurt. Yeah. He does most of that
0: emoting like you said with his facial features and whatnot because he does, doesn't talk, speak. And that's impressive. A um, couple neat facts about this. When it came out it was directed by two the children of two well-known uh, I guess in genre fiction, Richard Matheson who... Uh, He's written a lot of great stories. I Am Legend, um, The Incredible Shrinking yes. Man. He did he did the story that Duel was based off of. Spielberg did and tons of stuff. And he did classic Twilight Zone episodes, one of them being a story called The Invaders. With uh, do you, I don't know if you guys remember yes. this. Yes. With Agnes Moorhead, silent. Another thing. It's completely great. silent. Oh, little God. monsters, little creatures trying to kill one person. And it's completely silent. And so we have Richard Matheson's son, Christian Matheson, comes in and does this. And it's, again... Silent, silent thing with one guy fighting little monsters uh the director is brian henson who's the son of jim henson so he has work with the little the little military guys those are pretty cool and it's pretty intense and suspenseful like when their little helicopters start yeah. coming in and it's the right mix of like the special effects mm-hmm. they knew like how far they can go and how far they can't and it's very visceral and very fun and like very entertaining is it available on youtube can yeah, you yeah. See it on i YouTube? watched it I, yep. I, I watched it i enjoyed it it's and, not and it's hd yeah. on youtube too it's actually pretty okay. cool it's pretty good Yeah, i think it was by far the best of the uh nightmare and dreamscapes episodes we'll probably talk about it those is. later when yeah. we get but like it was very effective in fact they aired it first and i was i was like wow this is gonna be some good stuff and then i watched every other episode <laughs> right and like, man come on guys um but yeah i liked it i recommend it i i do think this case the movie or, or adaptation is better than the story anything else on battleground
2: yep. what else we got next up we're gonna go into cat's eye
3: yes yeah Classic. There
2: you go. i love this movie
0: and this is essential well, it's a long movie yeah. well it's not too long it's about an hour, hour and, and a half, half. yeah it's, it's not a it's, it's funny because i don't think i ever sit down and watch it all the way through yeah. like because recently I, I pulled it out and i my kids were begging me to watch like a horror movie and for some parents, a kid's horror movie is Hotel Transylvania. For me, <laughs> when my kids come <laughs> ask for a kid's horror movie, I'm like, "We got something. Mm-hmm. We kids the way it comes. We got critters. What mm-hmm. do you want to watch tonight, kids?" What's that monster, <laughs> monster, Squad? Monster, Squad. monster Squad, Monster Squad, Monster Squad. It's so funny. I've researched Classic. that one a little bit because there's a lot of language in Monster Squad. It is, it's pretty but rough. It's no worse like, than they're going to see in anything PG-13. Uh, I don't know this is stuff
1: you could not get. I mean,
0: one point, things. Dracula picks a little girl up by her neck. It's like, yeah, you little I'm like, but I showed them. They're going to hear on the school bus in about two years. So, maybe in two years. So, we, uh, I let them watch, though, the last segment of Cat's Eye, which is actually the one that was not reprinted, as far as I know, wasn't printed right. anywhere prior to this. The two stories, Quitters Incorporated and The Ledge, are in Night Shift. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. took these two stories and he created a wraparound story that deals with this cat who's on its way across the country. And the cat, cat. I wonder, so the cat can see visions of Drew Barrymore. Yeah. And Drew Barrymore appears to the cat and tells the cat that, hey, something's, gonna hurt some, yeah, something's coming to kill me. So the question is, because we see King tying all these stories together, and there is even a weird tie in the very beginning where, General, the cat, is chased by Cujo, and he runs under Christine. And then Christine drives away, and you see yeah. that tag and says, but does the cat have the ability to shine? That's my question. <laughs> like, is that what the cat is doing? Is it shining? Yeah. It all comes <laughs> around. Yeah,
2: so I was like, when I saw... But it, if that I,
0: wasn't... The, that was the opening scene of... You the, like uh, meow
2: bits, Doc? Yeah, yeah right?
0: <laughs> that was the opening scene of the, the teaser to get you to watch the movie was uh, from the mind of Stephen King. Yeah. And it takes you through all
1: that stuff and it's, you know... So your marketing material. What yeah, did you
0: guys? Yeah, before we get to... I think this is high concept all the way, right? Like, each story is basically <laughs> like imagine you got a guy or imagine you got a cat and then like each three stories Quitters Incorporated let's talk about that one because it's a weird story right it's a weird story but I like it I like like it I don't think I think it's dark comedy and I think it knows that and the movie absolutely knows that Right, book plays it that way too Yeah, yeah yeah um and the movie really plays it that way because it gets like uh, Alan King to just ham it up as Donati. So it's like it's basically yeah. if the mob ran a no like no, a, a, a <laughs> yeah like a, 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 a but your cessation smoking cessation yeah your yeah. smoking cessation Perfect. and uh, and that but in the in the book it's a lot worse. He's like doesn't he's like yeah yeah a couple offenses we come out and we like break your legs break your legs then we like break your character. wife or something yeah. and then cut then off then we, some um and and, and what are they Actually,
1: gets to like death of like. Certain but aren't they going to
0: do something things. to his daughter too i think in, in either the movie version or the film like because his daughter's played by um drew barrymore in the film as well uh and james woods is the the main character the non smoking yeah. character did they have the cat cage element in the i don't know if they had that in the short story i don't think it's in the
2: short story and
0: of course the character think. gets to a point where he manages to pull himself together before he has to get to the most extreme levels uh, i think he only gets to the so in the uh but the end he, he jokes like donati jokes to him coming out it's like hey what happens if i don't take the pills he's like i will send some of your house and cut off your wife's middle finger and like later they're having like this toast uh his friends are over who've gone through the same program and you know she puts her hand out and is no missing the finger <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah. man. Um, they went nuts with this in the in the short in, or in the Cat's Eye in this little like segment anthology because like mm-hmm. at one point it
1: didn't take him as much in the story like he got on yeah. board pretty quickly. Well, yeah. I
0: think even in the short film, after he and I say short film because the first thing it's just isolated really from the rest of Cat's Eye. The only connecting factor is that General runs in. they grab him and they have him as their demonstration cat for the the electric shock cage. And I think and even in the show when they bring his wife in and put her in the electric shock cage, it just shocks her and she's jumping and they're playing a song. I can't remember, some 50s song, you know, that like I can't not hear that song and think of the electric shock cage. <laughs> but after that, same thing, he gets his act together and he he rehabilitates. But Alan King is like chewing the scenery like nobody's business in this. And am I right that there's a scene where he basically, like, it's, it's the police song, like I'll be watching you? Or, you know, um... <laughs> or every move you make, or whatever the, the okay. song title is. And yeah. it, but it's not the police singing it. It's like some kind of cheesely no. band, and it's Alan King lip-syncing to it in a dream sequence where he's, like, appearing, like, behind... Like, every time, uh... Every time he goes to take a smoke, someone's behind him. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Like, I, it was fun. James there's Woods. A fun, like, little story. There's there. a weird part where Woods falls asleep watching The Dead Zone on TV. <laughs> um... Uh, how about the ledge? That's a very succinct kind of story, too.
1: Yeah, I think that one they they kind of like they did as much as you possibly do with that kind of story.
0: I think I think that's a case where the story, the film version, is more effective because you remember they got like they got Robert Hayes mm-hmm. walking around a ledge and yeah. this mo- again mobster yeah. like holding.
1: It, it wasn't very long, but it felt like it kind of went on for went,
0: a went on too long. Yeah, They're I don't drawn, know. if He out. really that been captured that. five minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of internal dialogue that gets in the way of the visceral part of him just walking along because you're in his mindset and you're, he's trying to tell the backstory and the, the, the short story just kind of puts all that up front. And then you're watching him clamor and the pigeon's pecking at his okay. legs and everything. Yeah. And even though they have a limitation on special effects, it's clearly Robert Hayes just standing on the side of a sound <laughs> stage somewhere. It's pretty effective. I mean, it works. Mm-hmm. But, to me, the highlight is the third segment. Troll which is. is yeah, yeah, troll. <laughs> With my, yeah. And this is what I showed my kids, which is General gets finally where he's going. He gets to the home of Drew Barrymore. He comes in. Candy Clark is her mother, who, who doesn't want him in the house because she thinks that she's going back to what her mother said about Cat cats steal. sucking yeah. Yeah, child's breath. Damn trolls. This <laughs> <laughs> is trolls. They frame these cats. Make news. And uh, so, the... Um, the uh, despicable and uh, the troll. <laughs> Not internet trolls, actual trolls. They get to the. So I was showing my kids, and they were like, all of a sudden, the wall opens up, and that little dude runs out wearing the little hat with the jingle, yeah, ding, yeah. jingly bells. He looks like he's wearing like a jester's uniform, and the rest of it looks like he's wearing like hobo clothes, and yeah. he's got that little dagger. <laughs> my kids freaked out, and then he climbs up and he stabs the parakeet. And how many times has and... he pulled the cover down? Yeah,
2: yeah, t- yeah three yeah. times. And he's going, He has to
0: readjust to be like sitting there, like right in front of her yeah. mouth. And then he's making noise the whole time. He's like... Da, 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 and he's like climbing up the hill. And it's, like, it's a creepy little creature. Little teeth. He was designed by Car- Carlo Rimbaldi, who did E.T., who designed E.T. And he's cre- with Drew Barrymore again. And with the little scenes of him just creeping along. And they built that big set so he's like clearly yeah. a little dude in a suit. Yeah. Running around a stage yeah. where... But the best part is that the cat, like, fights him. So that's the kind of, like, part... Like, I talked a few weeks ago about, like, the wish fulfillment horror where kids can kind of get into that where it's like, oh... It's not so scary because then General comes in and saves the day, and he fights the cat, and they and he puts him on the record player and spins him around, and he flies in <laughs> the and ends up fan. in the van. <laughs> and yeah. they, I like because the parents come in and it's like they can't deny that like some little animal a has little knife in hand. Like, like, he picks up the knife and it's still holding the <laughs> yeah. sword in his hand. What happened here? And again, when he throws him on the record player, that's the police playing, and it spins around that is, that is and around, the and he flies. Synchronicity into the thing. is the yeah. album. Yes, yeah. so. Red, blue. Um, Green. that's my and he, he jumps on the balloon yeah it's a fun segment and I was able they enjoyed that and of course they do that whole like that creepy ending where the cat gets up and is he gonna like steal her breath and he yeah. just licks her face and they have an awesomely cheese-tastic 80s song yeah. cat's eye play over the 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 <laughs> final credits I love that movie I mean I think me that's too again, you gotta, again you gotta <laughs> take it back to the time it was made yeah it's and, and watch fun. it it was classic it's one of the better King 80s movies I mean like you get the big classics out of the way it's yeah. one of the better you kings. Mean, like children of the corn or well i'm thinking like if you see it's the shining came in the 80s right. the dead zone movies yeah. like that like even pet cemetery like those to me are the really good ones that come to mind um and, and the, the tv version of salem's lot but like cat's eye particularly and it's the kind short of three fiction, different stories
3: yeah but essence. they
0: tying it together and yeah. just making each story feel crazy enough like most anthology stories they always have one story where you're like i remember that what were the rest about but i feel like these are pretty distinct yeah and well, they, they I, I like the transition ones like creep show yeah Creepshow's well creep show Creepshow, creep show is pretty good yeah. i mean you can't get away from yeah creep show is great what else are we are we even close to the end
3: <laughs> and the ultimate answer to that question is we were only about halfway through uh we've originally intended for this episode to be one of a two-part series about Stephen King short fiction, but as Jason and Chris, myself and Seth, began to talk, we realized that we had a lot more material to cover. We did cover that material, and we'll be bringing it to you in just a few days in the second part of this series, and with the third part coming a little bit later. We want a time to be able to see some of the the movies, like 1922, uh, which is uh, the, the... Point of this recording is now available on netflix and you can actually catch a review uh, seth giving a video review of it at the phantom galaxy youtube page so we'll be back we hope you enjoyed this first segment and join us again as we talk a lot of the work from skeleton crew we talk cycle of the werewolf and two of the bachman books with the running man and thinner so join us again next time at the phantom galaxy